Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At Kroger, everyone wins when it comes to saving big. Because when you order online through the Kroger app, you get the same great prices, deals, and rewards on pickup or delivery that you do in-store with no hidden fees or markups. Best of all, you'll know when items in your cart have a coupon, so you never miss a deal. So whether you're a delivery lover, picker-upper, or you shop in-store, no matter how you shop, you'll always save big at Kroger. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Welcome back to We Want Winners. This is our second episode this week. Rod, you've been at practice all week. We got a midweek episode in. Season must be right around the corner. And for those you know who, who may have mi- missed, uh, we won't recap necessarily day one. We already did that. But Rod has been to two practices since then. And we'll talk about how things are uh, continuing and, and shaping. I've been reading as much as possible. But uh, Rod, you've been there. How's it been so far? It's been it's been real good. Um, and that's that's something I kind of want to touch on is the reporting, which is interesting because when you see it, and then I like to go back and see what you know to have um, Barrows and mm-hmm. Lombardi tell me what what I saw. Um, <laughs> it's um it's interesting. Like for example, Brock's first day, it was. It was rough, yeah. no doubt. But I mean, he wasn't. He, as I mean, bad. he even said so, right? He it he... was, but it wasn't as bad as um, as I don't know. Some of the reports I saw made it out to be like he was horrible, and I mean, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't. He was just it was just a little off, um, you know, so just a little off. It was just it, it was like it's not like he was like missing bad or like you know it was just just you know just a little off and um. Again, I I didn't go. We didn't. We weren't able to go to day three. Um, it was closed. Oh, oh, I thought. Um, oh, so I thought. Oh, yeah, I thought you had gone three times. Well, I have been three times. This, okay. Today, today was day four. Um, so practice three was you know Trey apparently Trey's worst practice. Oh, right, right, right. And um, which again is 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 kind of weird. How again with the reporting, Trey was awful apparently. Brock was sharp, but he was six to twelve. I mean, which kind of doesn't <laughs> it, that doesn't compute really. I mean, if he's super sharp, but he only completed half his passes. I mean, that is, you know, so there's a lot of, to me, in my opinion. I you know, I'm not a ten hat guy, but there's kind of a lot of narrative driven things that are going on that you know I don't really love. I mean, I don't know. I would think it would be my responsibility if I were one of those dudes. I would I would take that. I take that responsibility. Um, I, 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 you know, I take that duty um, seriously that, you know, a lot of people are, and I, I've got people online arguing with me over what I saw <laughs> based on here's some hearsay that these guys said. Now, again, okay, they, let, let's take that because I am their audience being that mm-hmm. I wasn't there. 
and you and I haven't talked since we did the midweek episode. Mm -hmm. So let me, I'll tell you how I'm reading them, and then you tell me what you're seeing. So Brock Purdy, the way that I'm reading their take on Brock Purdy, and the way that I'm reading it based on what he's saying is he's just really rusty. He's got to get used to throwing again because of this elbow issue. So his normal cadence of how often he's going to throw that was interrupted. And he himself said, I didn't get to throw at the OTAs. It's just, I I have to deal with that. And I haven't been throwing. And it seems like uh, the feistiness in him, uh, maybe, maybe he's not going to nail those throws right now, but it seems like he's okay on the shorter stuff, which is what I see Trey getting the biggest demerits on is you know throwing balls into the ground to running backs and such it sounds like what i'm reading is that is his struggle but when he's able to kind of get out of the pocket and throw on the run he's throwing lasers so that is my reading and then for darnold it's it's been kind of up and down like they're they're not really explaining what you're seeing which is that the ball comes out of his hands uh, so well they're more or less talking about him you know, maybe not being on the same page with some of these guys yet. And I just, I don't really expect him to because he, he, this is a new team for him. You know, Trey and Brock have been with these guys now for, you know, two and three years. So I, I would have imagined that Darnold was going to struggle early on, just trying to get into rhythm with new teammates. And then for Brandon Allen, he's barely getting any chances. Like I just, yeah, he was like one of four today. So what are, is, is any of that incorrect from what you are seeing? I'm not saying any of it is incorrect. I, again, I have never claimed to be, you know, Jeff Christensen and being able as a quarterback mechanics guy or any of that. All I can judge it on is, is, you know, again, what I see. And from what I see is I, I haven't really, again, I wasn't there yesterday. Um, So apparently that was Trey's worst practice. I haven't seen him, you know, Lombardi keeps, harping on the fact that he's missing all these short throws i have it it hasn't been like such a glaring thing to me that he is just like all over the place with these throws i mean yeah he's missed throws but i mean all of them have um but it just it, it doesn't seem to me that there's like this oh my god <laughs> the sky is falling type thing with trade with any of them really i mean like i say even the worst practice brock had which was his first I mean, he looked good. I mean, he looked confident. He was ripping it. Um, it's it's something that nobody mentions, which, I mean, I guess maybe it's just a given is that, you know, when it comes to the, I guess we could throw Allen in there, but there is a clear difference physically between Darnold, Lance, and the other two. I mean, it's just, it's not even close. I mean, mm-hmm. the deep balls it's just it's just we're talking apples and avocados it's just not it's not the same thing that's not to say brock has plenty appears to have plenty of zip to get the ball where he needs to get it um it's just there is their levels and i mean that that's clear but again it that doesn't mean that brock doesn't have everything that he needs to 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 get the job done and i mean he's like you say he is he is much more accurate even saying all that we said about in, in you know about his time off and not really getting to throw you know like i doubt when he was 
you know, in rehab that they they had 11 on 11 out there and he was throwing to receivers against DB. So this is the first time he's doing that. And, but in the throws that we would expect him to excel at, he still looked good. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he the ball was getting out, um, you know, the velocity, you know, again, it's not the same as those other two guys, but it's plenty good. I mean, mm-hmm. it was fine. Um, and again, it's just little timing things. Darnold, same thing. I mean, he rips the ball. <laughs> he is not, <laughs> he's not shy at all. And sometimes it that makes for horrible misses. Yeah. But, um, it's uh, but but he's not tentative at all. He is he's slinging it. And uh, when it when it goes good, it goes good. Like today, he was he was you know in rhythm with all his guys. And I don't I. I, I, I think the numbers were like eight of 10 or something like that. Um, he did not miss many throws. Um, and then again, Trey was good as well. Um, so I, I think we are in a good position. It, it'll be good to see, um, you know, I've only got to see Brock once um, because yeah, he, he didn't go the first day. He's going two on and one off, right? Is right. that so his, pattern? Yeah. So he had threw the first two days. So when we got there for Wednesday, he did not throw. So then he did Thursday. We didn't get to see Friday's practice. Um, and then he didn't throw today. Um, so I'm assuming we'll get I'll get to see him again tomorrow and then hopefully Tuesday as well. Um, and we get we get pads tomorrow. So yep. that'll be um that'll be that's gonna really tell a lot because they the running game has looked really good, but I mean Except for, let me say, Christian McCaffrey is, he would be like an all-pro flag football player. <laughs> where he gets through the line, and those dudes, I mean, because they're trying to, I mean, they're not tackling to the yeah, ground, yeah, yeah. but yeah. they are thudding. They're trying yeah. to, they are trying to <laughs> stop the run, and they do a very good job of bottling up everybody else. But that dude gets through, <laughs> he gets through untouched, and he's like 10, 12 yards down the field, and nobody's put a hand on him. We're going to um, we're gonna talk about McCaffrey because the, we, we've had a, a, a running back uh, revolt uh, we've had uh, running backs very upset about their standing on their teams. Uh, and, you know, I am pro player. Uh, so I, I always lean player over management. And uh, well, let, let's save that in, uh, in in a couple segments because the Niners kind of go against the grain on a lot of this stuff. And teams are not paying for running backs. And the Niners are like, nope, we're paying for running backs and more. We're giving you draft capital for running backs. So mm-hmm. this is very important. So it's kind of an interesting way that the Niners are going against the grain there. A but let's save that. A market inefficiency. Because, because I know you, you have some thoughts on that. Um, and I didn't want to lose my place here because uh, Brock Purdy is – I've said this before, this area, this market, the Bay Area, it is like – quarterback university like the quarterbacks are the rock stars in this area uh even someone like jimmy who you know i would say he was uh you know slightly above average maybe Mm -hmm. as far as compared to you know what you wanted out of him but he was still he was still the rock star of all rock stars when he was here in in, on 49ers and so now that puts brock purdy in that spot uh, on this team and kyle shanahan had a very entertaining and insightful interview with Tim Kawakami. And a lot of the focus was on Brock. I mean, it sounds like he is gung ho 
100%. Brock is my guy. Brock is going to lead us to the promised land thinking about Brock Purdy. And I, I'm I'm 100% for the head coach thinking that his QB1 is, is really damn good because that's great for us because Kyle knows more about quarterbacks than, you know, than I'll ever know. But I was actually, because Kyle is very strategic in, in usually what he says, I was surprised because him knowing that he's got two other quarterbacks who he thinks are really good, and he knows that those two guys will hear him talk so glowingly about Brock. Were you surprised to hear him just, you know, you could see the the hearts in his eyes when he was talking about Brock Purdy, which again, I like, but just that this is kind of a competitive situation and almost made it sound like this is not really a competitive situation. Well, I mean, it's interesting because that's, that's, um, it's kind of, it's Kirk Cousins all over. I mean, that is, you know, he, like Kirk was always his guy. And I mean, he, that it, it's very similar to me with, when you when you hear him talk about him when he wasn't even on his team anymore, he just <laughs> speaks glowingly about Kirk Cousins and I and I firmly believe that they he did everything in his power to try to get Kirk here, and um, that Jimmy was a fallback. Man. Yeah, I, I'm one hundred percent believe that if he could have got Cousins, he would have. Um, but yeah, I don't have a, I don't really have a problem with that um, because I also know that it's a results business and i mean no matter how much he likes him the dude ha- still has to produce yeah um so it's not going to be there w- i just don't believe it'll be a situation where um if brock doesn't continue to play at the level that he played last year that the other two guys just won't have an opportunity he's going to have to continue to produce but i don't have a problem with you know i don't again i don't know these guys i don't know what what makes them tick because you know i remember when um Harbaugh came in and he really just th- that was the biggest difference in my opinion. Just champ- championing in, Alex Smith. He just came in and loved on Alex so much. I mean, and that it was clearly what the doctor ordered because he had never had that kind of support um ever really. I mean Yeah, uh, you know, the uh, the other coaches were saying kind of how weak and injury prone Alex was and Harbaugh's coming in and saying like look at this dude he's big he's strong we're gonna get him out on bootlegs he's gonna run over dudes and it was exactly what you said which was this psychological boost to Alex who you know he had been the 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 top pick bust and Harbaugh's like no 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 no. we're gonna make him successful here and and that that was great you had somebody who like like Mike Martz who by far of that whole Alex tenure before Harbaugh got here was the most accomplished offensive um, coach. And he was dead set on, you know, JTO is my guy. I, I don't even, you know, this dude, I mean, JTO. I love I mean, JTO. So it was, um, it was, it was really crazy to see how, and I mean, we say that in, I'm a golfer. So people talk about how, that's a sport that's like 90% mental. Yeah. And I believe that pretty much all sports, they have a real, real big psychological component to them. And if you, if you, you know, if you're in that spot as a quarterback and you don't feel that the people above you, you know, don't have any confidence in you. I mean, it's, you know, I guess there's some guys like, um, 
like a Farb or a Rogers. That kind yeah, of they just say F it. Like, who, who the hell are you to tell me? Right. But, I mean, not everybody's built that way. And clearly, Alex wasn't. You know, he, you know, he seemed to be a pretty sensitive guy. Um, so it really helped him to have somebody who really believed in him. Um, and again, maybe that's kind of a thing that, that Kyle is doing with Brock to, um, you know, it's kind of not just, it doesn't seem like that dude needs much um, pumping up or um, ego boosting, but I mean, it can't hurt yeah. to, to have somebody like um, um, Kyle in your corner, especially since we know that if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, he won't be. I mean, he he's, you know, rode Ayuk really hard publicly um, at times. And again, this is not to say he's, I haven't heard him say anything. I haven't heard either of him say anything really negative about Trey necessarily. No, Everybody, you know, you and you, and again, I guess you got to take it all with a grain of salt because I mean, if he, if they hated him and he wasn't a good worker, would they really say it? Um, Cause we, we saw this week um, when a head coach, we saw in Denver this week when a head coach <laughs> says what they really think. I mean, we're, nobody's really ready <laughs> for the real so they kind of have to it, it, like i always said it rarely serves those guys to tell us to be transparent i mean yeah. it just it just doesn't but again i it's just it's it's a really good thing i think i think it's good that they that he really has confidence in him and i you know again i am a trey fan but i'm rooting for brock too because if he's good and he's the guy then that's good for us so i mean that's it's it it was interesting to to see him talk with the hearts in his eyes though that that was real well you you know the the thing about the sean payton thing is all he was doing was sticking up for russ right he's just basically Mm -hmm. saying you know this wasn't all russ's fault it was a really poor job as well about bringing him in and it's and, not like he was saying something that everybody had not said before about the whole that. season. People were hammering Hackett for the, the coaching job, right? Uh, but I guess, you know, it's supposed to be this, uh, you know. In the fraternity, co- I yeah, guess coaching you're, not fraternity, to, yeah. you're not supposed to, you know, talk out of school. Or, or but then, joke. you know, then then Rogers had to stick up for his guy, so. Yeah, I mean, which I, mean, which I don't have a problem with that either. But, I mean, no. if we if we really look at it, I don't think anything that Peyton said was out of line or off base. Um, Hackett really hasn't ever really called an offense that was any good. Um, and he hasn't ever really been good. Well, that's I guess that's not true. I, he didn't call plays in Jacksonville, but Bortles was good with him. But I was going to say he hasn't really been any good without anybody other than Rodgers. But, um, you know, I, I don't I didn't I didn't have a problem with um with what with what Peyton said, I, because I'm one who I think we need more candor in sports and not less. I, I hate Tom Brady, Russell Wilson <laughs> um, mode of just, you know, saying the the politically correct thing and, you know, not wanting to offend anybody. It's well, you know, just... they, they go to the, the Michael Jordan school of uh, PR, right? And I mean, I get it's successful. Re- Re- Republicans buy sneakers too. Right. I mean, and I guess, you know, you can't argue with it. But like I say, I kind of like my sports a little bit more flavorful. Like, so like guys like Dion and Ocho 
And, you know, I, I don't mind that at all. You know, th- that's, that's just, but that's just me. But maybe you don't want your quarterback to be like yeah, yeah, Jay, yeah. Jalen or, or your head coach. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, owners get away with speaking out of turn all the time. Jim Ursay is wild. My gosh. <laughs> There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Um, so my thought when I was listening to this Kyle thing and, and let me know what, what you thought about it, but my thought listening now, I may have been looking for something that wasn't there. I may have been looking for the meaning behind the meaning, but I kind of wondered if whoever loses the QB two spot, I kind of wondered if they were going to be on the roster because I- he's got, Allen as a three. Allen has been a two in the league before. And it almost feels like you have this superfluous number of quality arms. And I I just, you know, you you could play conservatively and be like, yeah, look at what happened last year. All three guys could get hurt. But it it just seemed like maybe whoever loses that QB two spot might they might they might reroute them somewhere. I don't know. I could be I could have been creating that in, in just listening. Well, I mean, I don't know that I heard that, but it makes sense. I mean everybody says that, you know, Brandon Allen, he was a two last year. So he's not he's probably not gonna make a practice squad. And I don't know. I yeah, I just don't know with roster construction how they're going if they're going to you know, it really doesn't make sense to keep four. No, not at all. And think. and and they even when you try and throw that out there, it just like special teams mean so much to these guys. Like, you know, having an extra actual player who's going to possibly hit the field just seems so much more important than carrying someone who's not going to play almost ever. If your season goes right. Right. And then when you start doing that math though, I mean, I don't know how much value no matter, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe 
He has a great like he's lights out preseason. I just don't see how much value on a one year contract. Um, trading Sam Darnold, how much sense that makes. Um, so then, you know, kind of like process of elimination, you kind of land on Trey. And I mean, there are places that like the one that just seems like just screaming with neon red lights is sending him home to Minnesota. Um, I don't know you. One thing about that playmakers special is that, you know, how ultra competitive those guys are. And I don't know, um, you know, with all the, how much they believed in Trey and they gave up to get him. I don't know that you want to hand that guy to Kevin O'Connell and pair him with Justin Jefferson and then have to play against him for the next 10 years. I, I, you know, I, so I don't know how those kind of mechanics, um, fall into because I can't I didn't really find couldn't really find a really logical landing spot in the AFC for him. They were all NFC teams um who might want to yeah. you know kind of just take a flyer because Minnesota is the kind of team the reason I say that is I don't believe under any circumstances that I, I think they want out of the Kirk Cousins business. I don't think he's there next year. Um and I don't think they're going to be bad enough ever really the way they're set up i don't think they're going to be bad enough to get into um a position to be able to draft you know that level of cornerback quarterback so then you're looking at a trade and the market for Trey is you know it's from a 49er standpoint the market is i mean it's it's like the worst case scenario you bought high yeah and now you're selling you know you're selling really low um, so that's that's the only thing from a business standpoint. It's like, well, at this point, it's a sunk cost. You you yeah. know, the the um thirty-five million guarantee is that you've already you're you trade him or not trade him. If you trade him, you're still gonna have that dead cap hit um next year. So you might as well just hang on to him, make sure, you know, make for sure for sure. He's not the guy and then try to get a comp pick for him when he leaves. Cause I mean, I doubt you're going to get any more value than that if you trade him now. But again, we just talked about the numbers game of it. And I just think he's the one that makes the most sense to, 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 to to try to move. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Now I'm not saying that because of what we saw in the NFC championship game, that all of a sudden makes Brock Purdy, Injury prone. This is not what I'm saying, but seeing how he went down, that has to be in the back of their minds when it comes to, you know, what they can do at that position. And in my, the way that I would sort of hope that this works out, this is not, you know, maybe I'm, I'm going a little heart overhead here, but I would like to see Trey as the number two. And I would like to see them, Bring him in spots like how Harbaugh used Kaepernick that first season where, you know, there was like, oh, Alex Smith is coming off the field. Why? And we were just like all kind of like amazed because even there was no real buildup to it. You know, we didn't we didn't even think that Cap was going to, you know, do much. And all of a sudden, you know, they have him on the field, you know, running some sort of play or, you know, play action, taking a deep shot. And then he comes off and Alex is back on. I would love to see them utilize Trey in that way to keep a to keep the defense 
a little bit off balance. You you never know, you know, what the Niners are going to do in this situation. But also, you just want him to be ready because if you do lose Purdy, then you're going to hand the ball over to a guy who has in his uh, now his what his third season has barely seen the field in over a year because of injury. So I would like to see them utilize him in that way. That would probably mean Darnold is, is somewhere else. And unfortunately for him, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he can sort of figure out how to restart there, but man, you know, I would just be so hesitant to give up on Trey this early because if you think about how much football is left ahead of him, uh, there's, there's just, opportunity there's going to be an opportunity for him and this kind of leads back to my conversation with Larry Kruger and we can talk about that because he's a pretty guy but he also thinks that Lance is going to be really good in the league he just think Lance he just thinks because of the lack of field time he's just going to need more ramp up than being able to step on the field right now and play because Purdy essentially you know was seasoned in college where Lance was only you know really only played that one year so um, I, I would like to see them keep Lance. I think he's more dynamic. He's there's so much opportunity for him. And as we've seen the evolution of this position, man, you have that guy in your back pocket and you have some plays for him that a defense is not looking forward to. I, I really would love to see them utilize that. Well, you appreciate the choir on two fronts there. One just in life and in football, I'm not really big on giving up on 23 year olds. It's just, I, I just, I, I just fundamentally don't believe in that. And then two, one of the things I've just never really understood is in the football hive mind, why I can every single position on the field, I can switch out. We saw a platoon at right guard last year. Yeah. You see it at tight end, at every position. Every position. I don't understand why the quarterback is like the holies a holy and you can't pull this dude and put this dude in and, you know, not have it mean that um the world is falling. You know, we pull starting pitchers all the time. Yeah. And then he comes out the next day and he makes his start. I mean, the next his next start in the rotation. And it, it's it's no big deal. I don't I, I just don't see why. Um, now, again, you could get into like technical things like they're kind of two different quarterbacks. So when you take one out, it's, you know, it's not like in Baltimore where, you know, they have built a quarterback room that are all, you know, all their quarterbacks are basically lesser versions of Lamar. Of Lamar. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not as big a deal. So, I mean, you would definitely, but I don't know. I, even as I sit here and say that, it doesn't seem like in practice that they're running you know, it seems like they're all running all the same stuff. I mean, it's not like there's a Trey Lance offense or a Brock Purdy offense or a Sam Darnold offense. It's like they're, you know, they're all making the same throw. So it, it just wouldn't, you know, like you say, it just, it definitely add, it would add a, um, an, uh, a, an element of surprise because you just, you notice it. It's really noticeable on like the boot fakes when Trey, you know, even when he, um, just runs out the fake. I mean, you, you kind of just, it, it's just, it jumps off the page at how fast he is. And if he were just to hold that ball, if, you know, he were to carry out the fake and keep it, um, there's, it always seems like there's, there's yardage there to be gotten that, you know, just, just, just a little thing that, you know, makes the defense have to, um, 
be honest, you know, I used to say it all the time about Jimmy, that backside defender on those play for he never respected Jimmy no. as a um as a as a legitimate threat. He was all that dude was always cheating down, um, trying to chase down that run on the backside. And you just you really just can't do that with somebody like Lance. And and while, you know, Larry kind of talked about it in his, you know, his whatever split. <laughs> I again, as we, we can talk about that, but I, I just think that, um, you know, while he showed some some nice little escapability, I don't think that's Brock's game. You don't want to, you know, I know if I'm a def- if I'm a defensive coordinator, if Brock Purdy wants to decide that he's going, um, he's going to routinely play outside the structure of the offense and try to beat me with his athleticism, you know, I'm down for that. Let's let, let's go. <laughs> well, it it's it has to be he he has to do it in a way where like he like like Brock just can't get out of the pocket and he's just not gonna outrace No, he's somebody. not he's not Lamar. He's not there's, there's not gotta be an element of where the defense actually thinks he is running to pass, and that keeps them from crashing him in in, in that position. So he's always gotta have that thought of you know, I've I have to. They have to know that I'm still thinking about passing because if they just crash and I am running, they're going to catch me. And well, that and is not, the difference with with, with Trey because Trey could actually outrun those guys. And that and that's and that's the other thing we don't really talk about is you know, um, like Larry said, like six foot two thirty. If that dude, is, if Brock Purdy is two thirty, I'm seven feet. That, <laughs> there ain't no way he's no two thirty. Yeah, yeah I, I've never, I haven't seen him up close but just in person he just, looks more like uh, a, a shorter version of, of joe montana because joe was like 6'1 195 now maybe brock's a little bit heavier than 195 but yeah not I, much heavier than one no no I, I i just don't i don't see it and so that brings up the other point where you're talking about you know punting on trade is that i just don't know that when you got a quarterback that size any of them you know russ um kyler murray um, Bryce Young, especially in Carolina, I just don't know how many times you want those dudes, how many hits you want those guys just taking because they're just, you know, they're, they're just not big guys. Um, so it just it the 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 more opportunities, um, the more hits that guy takes. I, I just don't think that's um, you know, that, those those aren't really. I mean, you know, I love the toughness, but those aren't really good businesses. Yeah, you don't you don't want to see him underneath giant defensive Mm-mm. linemen. Because every time you're holding your breath. I yeah. mean, the, is is this time? And then you know, I I don't necessarily know that that you know that elbow is going to be a problem moving forward. But again, you just don't want you just don't want those guys. You don't want any of them taking hits. But you'd rather have a six foot. You you'd rather have Ben Roethlisberger taking hits. Than you would. <laughs> um, than you would Brock. Uh, and the uh, just to be fair to Larry, uh, I did look at two or three different web websites. They have Brock at six one to twenty. Okay, I mean, I, 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 you know, standing on from where I'm standing on the sideline, it's well, unless you're Javon Kinlaw, you know, I guess the difference between two ten and two thirty is, I mean, I don't know if you can necessarily see it. But um, you know, some of those guys, their size is just it just it just jumps off out at the page, and it doesn't with him because again, amongst his court, amongst his group, he's you know the smallest guy. I mean, he just you know, you know he's you know 
both Trey and all three of them are just are just more physically imposing than um than Brock is. So I mean, um, I so I'm sure that that kind of perspective maybe skews things. Maybe if he was standing right up on top of me, I wouldn't be talking crazy. So just wanted to shout out Robert Ramos's comment about uh, he agreed about. Uh, trying to get Trey and intersperse him a little bit. Uh, and the reason I wanted to shout out Robert Ramos, because of course uh, we love Robert. He's uh, he's helped Rod get to, get to these practices. So mm-hmm. shout out to, to Robert. Absolutely. Um, another thing that when we were talking, uh, Larry and I were talking, Larry was comparing him to modern day, great NFL quarterbacks. And you and I had a conversation on the side about this. And my thought was, yeah, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to compare somebody who had a fantastic rookie year with a second year washout kind of player. You're going to say, oh, what is you, you think about it in the in the aspect of ceiling rather than that person is not going to evolve from what he did in that season. So if you're if you think the 49ers are the Super Bowl favorites. You think Brock is going to be a top 10, probably-ish quarterback in order for the Niners to make that jump. But if you don't think the Niners make that jump, then you probably think Brock is a little bit in the middle, more middle of the pack. So I didn't have an issue with Larry in, in Larry's talking about, you know, comparing him to top, top quarterbacks because, you know, from, from Larry's point of view, uh, he believes in him. But at the same time, I understand your hesitancy to compare him to current greats based off of half of a season, which ended with him with him being hurt. Uh, go ahead. Here's the thing. You know, that was my big problem with the whole Jimmy thing is that we were trying to, you know, rationalize um the success the team was having. So then Jimmy must be, I don't, I think that Jimmy was that he was 14 to 17 is where he felt. I never thought Jimmy Garoppolo was a top 10 quarterback. I still don't. And I, I, you know, I'll die on that hill. Um, Because if he's the top 10 quarterback and seven, you know, 70% win percentage, then we can chop the Raiders up this year for 11 and six. And I, I just, I, Though, I don't, I don't there is that. a heavy, heavy pro Jimmy narrative coming out of that training camp as it pertains to how Jimmy runs the huddle versus De- versus Derek Carr and how confident he is. I haven't heard how handsome he is much yet, but that's Not coming too. We know that's coming. Well, what I want, what, what is more interesting to me is, Somebody needs to be, they don't know that yet, but they need to be charting the number of balls that Devontae Adams gets um, beyond 15 yards and outside the numbers because that <laughs> is what I'm going to get. He is going to get in routed to death. If, if, if the same Jimmy that I know um, shows up, he's not going to get any deep balls. So that, which is tragic <laughs> for, um, a player of Devontae Adams' caliber. So, and we'll the re- part of the reason Adams comes to the Raiders is because he really likes Carr. <laughs> <laughs> Just like so, now that I've heard, you know, um, who is that? Um, Carton, Craig Carton, was talking about he's going to try to force his way to the Jets. Uh, I don't know, you know, 
that's you know he's one of those talking head opiners so i mean i don't know if that has any validity to it but everybody ever since Evan Rogers got there everybody's going to the Jets so uh yeah yeah Aaron, Aaron Rodgers he of the uh did he take like a pay cut or something to change mm-hmm. his contract uh can can we talk about Brandon Ayuk because I sent you a text that Matt Barrows made today where uh I think he was answering the question of like who's been the best in camp or something like that mm-hmm. and uh, let me see if I can find it here he said, um, gosh, where is it? It wasn't that long ago. Okay, he said the top five players in 49ers training camp so far. One, Brandon Ayuk. Two, B.A. Three, Ayuk. Four, Jake Moody. And five, number 11. Now, I thought he was going to come up with his Dylon, 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 and Dylon. Mm-hmm. But I, he he's kind of making fun of the uh, of the whole thing but everybody is saying Brandon Ayuk is the best player in training camp is that coming is that is that being shown to you as as you were there watching um yeah he well he is i don't know again i've been really impressed with um Christian McCaffrey but yeah Brandon Ayuk is he is balling he because he runs he runs his routes are you know, immaculate. Um, he's clearly the best route runner out there. And the thing that was impressive to me, like even today, um, is that, and again, they're not tackling, so you have to take all that with a grain of salt. But um, he's really, really been um, really just dynamic with the ball in his hands. You know, and that's, you know, that's usually, that's been Debo's calling card. And Debo has been, he's been, too, has been extreme once he gets, you know, He's one of the most explosive players in the league once he gets the ball in his hands. But Ayuk is, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not going to say he's right there. He's like Debo level, but he has been really impressive um, making dudes miss and um, trying to score. He is, he's, it's really, it looks like it's a point of interest for him to try to um, get to the end zone every time. He's been really impressive, really impressive. And, you know, we've talked about this, but, we also heard that Debo is, you know, physically in better shape. Kyle's joking that he's never had someone send him as many shirtless <laughs> photos as as, as Delo, um, as Debo. Sorry, Delo. Uh, but yeah, so you know, I think they both understand the deal. Uh, who, the Forty ers probably can't afford to keep McCaffrey, Kittle. Debo and Ayuk on the same roster because they are all deserving of being play being paid atop their position. And so I do wonder if it's kind of a battle between those two guys on who gets paid. Well, well, Debo's already got his money. So well we, he, he does, but we know how the NFL works with contracts. Well, I mean, but I mean, even his, you know, his I don't have it in front of me, but I know he's it, I, I believe that 25 is the first time that, that he can, um, that they could like move on from him. But again, I just think that um, it'll be interesting to see it. The cap is kind of weird in that. Um, if, um, if Jed is willing to spend, if he's willing to do a Lakeup, um, I can see how they can make 
all of this work with the cap continuing to go up, it just means he's got to put in more cash. And I don't know his willingness or his appetite to do that. Um, so yeah, then if, if he's not, then that definitely could be an issue and you, and you're right. It could be, um, you know, a situation where it's either or, um, well, and, and he, just the contracts in the NFL are so funky. Like for instance, for instance, I, I was on a sport track, and in 2022, he made uh, just under a million in base salary, but his signing bonus was almost six million. Uh, his uh, in 2023, his base salary is 1.1, and he makes uh, almost five off of the the signing bonus. So, like the funkiness of the way that the money works like now there are things you know dead cap and he's got outs and stuff but it's just like you know the the full you look at the full amount and you're like oh three years 60 million Debo got paid and it's like the way that the money is counted he may or may not get paid depending on on how it all works out so that's just kind of what the what I'm looking at as far as you know who's is 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 Ayuk going to be, you know, are they going to look to add five years on for him? And, you know, is Debo going to stick around for, you know, it's just the, the, the longevity, the length, who you can trade, who you can't trade, all that is involved. And it just seems like those two guys, while being teammates, are also sort of competing at the same time for the, the top spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's talk about this running back situation in the NFL. Uh, running backs are not do not have leverage in in, in current NFL. Uh, the devalue of the running back is you know historically you know you go back to to the '90s and you know it was really about the running backs. It was Emmett Smith and Thurman Thomas and Barry Sanders and these guys were maybe second to only the quarterback as far as importance when you're putting together a roster. And it's not like that anymore. Um, you know, I, I can go back to remember when Todd Gurley was, was holding out and everyone was just like, ah, he's just going to get hurt. And, and it's no use signing him to a long-term contract anyways. And he, he would eventually get hurt. Uh, the teams use these guys and then they kind of throw them away when you know when they lose a half of a second there uh, or a quarter of a second in speed, and then you kind of bring in the newer, younger, cheaper version of that player. And so when you look at the longevity, when you look at these running backs who put up fantastic years, and you know someone like Josh Jacobs, like who else were you afraid of on that team outside of Devontae Adams and Josh Jacobs, the, the tight end as well, I guess, but. Man, you know, you look at a guy like that. I know when we were playing them, I was kind of more worried about Josh Jacobs breaking something open uh, just based on the way that that they played the 49ers. So what what is your whole take on where the running back is in today's NFL? It's interesting because, you know, back in the day, it wasn't ridiculous. I mean, like you say, it was always – it's always been a quarterback-driven lead, but it wasn't ridiculous um, – for nobody, it was no outrage when a, when a running back won the MVP. I mean, like Emmitt Smith or Barry Sanders or 
Adrian Peterson or Tomlinson, when those guys, you know, the thought that they were, you know, the most valuable player in the league, it wasn't a ridiculous notion. And I, I think I kind of push back on, and I get, I do get the devaluation of the position. And I, you know, you can, well, we've seen it here that, you know, you can get good production um, out of an Elijah Mitchell or a Raheem Mostert or a Jeff Wilson or Matt Breida even. But I would also push back that you, you definitely see like, even, even here, there's a difference between a Christian McCaffrey and a Elijah Mitchell. So those top guys, while, you know, it is a belief in the league that running backs are interchangeable and rather than pay this guy, we'll just go draft some other guy or get a, a um, you know, an undrafted free agent, whatever. I don't think that at the upper echelons, you're just not going to, the Giants aren't just going to go out and get another Saquon Barkley or you're not going to, the 49ers aren't just going to replace um they're not going to replace Christian McCaffrey's production and the threat that he brings with just some guy off the street. It's just, so there, there are levels to it. Um, and I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm a player's guy and I'm all for, um, if the market says it's one thing, that's fine, but that doesn't necessarily make it fair. And I'm all about doing whatever we can to try to um, make if a running back produces like Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley, you know, like on Barkley was like 30% of the offense last year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, guys, and he has a very average quarterback on his team, which is right. a giant deal because Saquon Barkley is his running back. Yeah. So it's um, there have been some really, really interesting, you know, and that's, I'm, I'm happy that this has become a topic of conversation because when that happens, you get some really, really interesting ideas um, that germinate. And I don't know which of those are um, the most um, are able to be implemented. Like anything that has to do with, you know, like CBA type stuff, it's going to be hard to number one um, rally the support to make something like, um, you know, I've heard the one, a good one that I think, uh, one that I, I like is that you make the franchise tag. You don't, you don't make it, you don't do it based on um, necessarily position. So you do like, you, uh, you'd have a franchise tag for like linemen. You'd have a franchise tag for skill players. You wouldn't, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be running backs or wide receivers. They would, you know, and then the quarterbacks would still just be quarterbacks. Um but it would allow you to, you know, I guess the word, the wording that uh, Foxworth used was just, you know, you'd be, they'd be like weapons and the weapons tag is X, which would help. But then that the thing that like, he was talking about is that, you know, that has to be collectively bargained. And yeah, are you able to get the, um, the support of the, 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 the body of the, of the, um, membership to go to move forward for such a niche situation but there was an interesting thing that he brought he had um dominic foxworth um he had a lot of he was on the nflpa and actually the nba pa as well and so he's like really on top of these labor um 
and really passionate about these labor issues. And he mentioned something that I didn't know existed that he believes is a solution to this problem that would not, that all it already exists is a structure already in place. Um, that a little bit more money could be funneled in and they could use it. It's called the player performance pool. And, um, what ends up happening is like, he was a beneficiary of it. it it's for guys currently who are like undrafted free agents or low round draft picks who, um, outperform their contracts. There is a pool of like $300 million where these guys can get paid. If they outperform, there's certainly, they meet certain benchmarks. They can get, they get checks. Everybody kind of gets a check, but it's like weighted. Yeah. Based on how much you make the example he used is like when he was a rookie, he was like a third round draft pick, but he, you know, performed exceedingly well. And it turns out his player performance check at the end of the year ended up being more than what his salary was. Um, so it, it, it offset, you know, he was able to get a little bit of money, mm-hmm. you know, for what, well, not a little bit for him. He's like, he's like, it's a million dollars. Yeah. 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 Um, it, but in it like the example he gave is like, you know, champ champ Bailey was his teammate. He was making like $20 million a year. And like his check was like 20 million, like 20,000. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. you know, it, he didn't have to get no really performance bonus because, he was performing at a pro pro level and he was getting paid like an all pro such. So he believes that you could tweak the formula in such a way that it would allow, you know, specifically running backs to, if they hit certain benchmarks, the example is like Josh Jacobs last year, if he hit, you know, if he's a a pro bowler or an all pro where he hits 15,000, 1500 yards or whatever that, there would be escalators that they could pay right out of that pool. Doesn't affect the salary cap. Um, doesn't affect anybody else's money. It's just money that you'd be able to compensate him mm-hmm. for his. And it's all production based. So if you don't produce, you don't get you don't you don't get the money. Which I think is just is just that that makes like too much sense to me. Yeah, um, the, the NFL has done such a good job at aligning their fan base with ownership in that the fan base today is so okay with the running backs just being three years, four years, and then, and then done like the Like NFL fans are just like, Oh yeah, I get it. That's just how it works. <laughs> and, and so there's no cry for a, a more just system. And also, and this is what baseball and basketball actually have that the NFL doesn't which is some sort of statistic or number that shows a value of a player so that fans understand more so what 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 this player is actually worth like so for instance in baseball they have a metric called wins mm-hmm. above uh replacement so you know a triple a AAA player or someone who's being brought up to the roster, they are a zero. And then the statistic is measures against that person. So like, you know, Shohei Otani, you know, he's probably like a 10 win player, maybe even more because of, because of the, the pitching stuff. But um, you know, someone like uh, uh, Mike Trout, you know, if he's not hurt, he's going to be like a six or seven win player. The NFL doesn't have that. They have quarterback metrics mm-hmm. and then they have DVOA 
which is more of a team-based metric. So there's no real insight for random fan to go, oh, George Kittle may only have 50 catches, but because the 49ers are so good in the run and he's blocking this way, he's actually just as valuable as if he had 75, 80 catches. Like there's no metric for, for the NFL in that way, except around quarterbacks. So I think you could, if, if there were, if there were more numbers, more measurements to show actual win metrics on, on players, uh, they could go to the bargaining table better or more. And the fans would actually, you know, see, cause you know, my, my, my baseball team, the giants, there's not a single person on that team right now who, if somebody said, Hey, which Jersey should I buy? I want to root for the next guy, you know, this guy for the next 10 years, I cannot tell them, you know, buy this player. I could give them some pretty good guesses on some of the young players like Logan Webb, but it's not like we have a Mookie bets on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, but NFL fans are so comfortable with rooting for somebody for a couple years. And then that person just being gone and being replaced. And it's like, Oh, now I get New Jersey. So that, that that's the system. And that's how it's been, you know, recently a uh, gone are the, the days of, you know, uh, Carmen policy and, and Eddie D and, and Bill Walsh kind of keeping some longevity in that roster. It's just, there's so much turnover, 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 and you're paying for your stars, and everybody else is just sort of replaceable. Yeah. It's, um, you know, PFF has been, um, they've been talking about a war stat for like three years now. It's like the Holy Grail yeah. of the NFL. And I would imagine, like you, you talk about, I would imagine if there was a win stat, a war stat in football, that um somebody like Christian McCaffrey last year would have been through the roof for the 49ers because his, his arrival changed everything everything changed when he got here um above and beyond to you know and that's the thing that we're talking about measuring because above and above beyond his numbers which were great his effect on the offense you know so i heard somebody mention it uh, he was like steph curry yeah. um of you know for the 49ers i mean his the gravity that he brought to the offense just helped make everybody's job easier and um, you know, the fact that you know he's you know one of the top paid running backs in the league and still is probably underpaid um for the value that he brings to the team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, before we get out of here, and uh, I want to ask you two quick questions. One of them involves maybe my favorite post uh post ninety post nineties forty nine er player, Frank Gore. He's back with the team. They they added him to to some sort of role. Uh, I just like it when people who are meaningful and we're you know we're talking about this running back thing and this dude <laughs> played for the 49ers for so many years uh, on bad knees and he's like a mainstay in this organization for with the fan base and now he's rewarded. They bring him back and he's got some some role in, in, in the organization. What do you think about Frank coming back? Frank is my guy. I mean, I I love that dude. And he was such a good player. We, you know, you have the debates going back and forth on the best running back in 49er history. And I, you know, I love Roger Craig, but yeah. you know, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, Roger Craig was never the um focal point 
nobody who's ever a focal point of an offense that Jerry Rice <laughs> was um, that prime Jerry Rice was in. Um, so it was just different. The load that Frank carried for our teams during his time, he was the guy. We he never really had, a, you know, okay. Anquan Bolden, maybe I guess yeah. not. Not really, but we really never had. Come on, Michael Crabtree, young get Crab, <laughs> get out of here. I mean, it was you know Frank was the focal point of our offense, and he MC he, Hammer says young Crab. By the way, he was just so amazing. He was so amazing for so long um, for us, and like you say, it's really good to see um, if those guys want to um, come back and be a part of the organization that. Um, they are allowed to in, you know, whatever role is um, that they, they find themselves suitable for And for to me, especially, you know, coaching is one thing and that's great. Um, the hammer um, is back. Deshaun Golson, he's out there coaching. Saw that. So that's dope. That was awesome. But um, I really like to see those guys, you know, if they can, you know, if they can get in like, and again, I don't know what Frank is doing. I know I'd heard during the draft that he was kind of, helping with player evaluations, which is nice. Um, if it's like a real job and he's not, you know, not to say that there's anything wrong with community relations or whatever. Football I mean, advisor that, is kind of the the title. I don't that's know. That's dope. Means, I, I really think, I mean, if you can get the more of those guys, you just, it's just better all around. The more of those guys you can get guys who play guys who know what's about um, that you can get into your building and, and just be part of the brain trust. I, you know, I, I think the organization is better off for it. Um, I know that um, one of the things that they talked about in Playmakers was that um, Marshall Falk was really um, instrumental in in making the um, Cronky really leaned on him, um, making the Sean um, McVay hire. And he's like, they took him out to dinner and like, you know, they were talking extra those and um, as they're walking out. He tells Cronky, if you let this guy um, leave the city without a contract, you're crazy. You're gonna yeah, and, and that was him not even understanding why he was a target before he had that conversation with him. He's like, this dude's too young. Like, how right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. no, I, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, if it, it, Gore is helping them with personnel decisions or he's scouting or he's, you know, they, they say, hey, you know, we need running backs on the West Coast. Look, whatever it is, mm-hmm. I think that's great. And as long as it keeps him out of that damn boxing ring, because that My was God. that was bad. Was I don't want to see that. I want to see Frank. You know, live in a live a long life there, and not get mm-hmm. punched in the face. All right, last <laughs> thing. Um, you and I won't be back for our regular show until the very first preseason game, which is the thirteenth. Okay. We'll come back after uh, that game, depending. We'll see maybe right after the game, maybe later in the evening, depending on what uh, we're both doing that day. Uh, But you're still going to be going to practice. Mm -hmm. So if there is something that happens at practice that Rod would like to chat about, we we may do another one of those short midweek episodes. I will be available to do that. So if if Rod's chomped at the bit to talk about something, we'll do that. Uh, But I guess the, the thing that I wanted to ask you before we get out of here is, now you've had last year you went to some of these practices you've got, you have three under your belt now like what are you looking for come Monday when they put the pads on like who are, are is there something that you're specifically looking forward to seeing um well there's a couple of things i um 
the defensive backs are interesting to me. I'm really looking for the offensive line because um, we really haven't talked about it. We didn't talk about it at the last practice. Um, even not in pads, we, we've got some real issues on the interior when we when we take our ones out. Uh, it, the depth is like non-existent and i'm just hoping that um as practices go on as we get in and and they're kind of at a dis the the defense is at an advantage without pads on you know they they you know they can just kind of juke and and move you and the the linemen can't really you know grab them and hold them and you know really be forceful with them so it'll be interesting to see um if we're able to do um, better work um, on the offensive line. And then also another thing that we haven't really talked about a lot is it, the blitzing that um, Steve Wilkes is doing is like really, really exciting that, um, and it, it, it's, it's been so refreshing that you don't even really, they're getting so much pressure um, from the DBs and from the linebackers, it's really don't even miss the fact that Nick is not out there. Um, they're they're really able, they're generating pressure because um, they're blitzing at a rate that we just have never seen. I think I saw that, you know, Ryan's, I saw I didn't blitz at all, pretty much. He was like at the bottom of the league, like, like 12% blitz calls. And then Ryan's was around 15 to 18. And just here in practices, um, Late, I think I saw a number like he's called like 30% blitzes. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like really up there. So he sounds like he's a kid on Christmas morning with the amount of talent on defense. He's almost like I've never been at a place like this before. We have so much depth, like just the, yeah. the amount of talent on that side of the ball. I know nobody wants to hear it, but Javon Kenlaw looks really good. <laughs> I want to hear it. I want that dude to be good. He is. He is a man mountain. He is just, I mean, because like Hargrave is a big dude and like he got towers over him. He's just so big. And I mean, uh, poor Keith Ishmael, who's like the third string center. I mean, he just has (laughs) Javon Kinlaw just eats his lunch every day. It's just, it's, it's, so that's going to be interesting to see. Feliciano hasn't been out there much, but he's clearly going to be our backup center. If anything happens to Brindle, you know, God help us. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, those are the things. You know, it's just I I know that the the defense is probably going to if if is if, if um history serves, they're going to be real aggressive once the pass come on. And I just I hope the offense is able to meet the challenge. You got to think that once the roster cuts start happening, the Niners are definitely keeping their eyes out for offensive linemen. They got to. It's um, it's I I, again, the way that we are able we're set up is, you know, like like I mentioned before on our short podcast is like we're on the sideline and they always it seems like they're always going from right to left. So I, I'm I'm never able to see what's happening on the right side of the Mm -hmm. line because there's like the sideline and then the entire offensive line. And so I, I just, I, so I'm, I'm not able to report on what's happening over there with McKibbitts. Um, so that's interesting. And then, like I say, our, it's a mess. Anytime Brindle comes out of there, it is really, <laughs> it's really, it's a shit show. <laughs> poor, poor Ishmael. But, um, oh, yeah. man. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, want to shout out Shelvin as well. He's looking forward to Kinlaw to have a career year. Yeah, I think people just that when you get that injury bust label, all of a sudden you're like the villain. I'm like, no, I want this dude to have a great year because if he has a great year, God, that defense is going to be so good. Yeah, I mean, he if he's just just a rotational player, um, that 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 will be so you know just behind. Armstead and Hargrave, if you have that guy coming in and he can just play 25, 30 snaps, I mean, that would be such a boost. Um, and just from a, from a personal level, you never want to see somebody be just hurt with knee injuries in a, you know, in, in, in a sport where, you know, this is his life livelihood, right? Like he's then been, then you hear the things like, you know, things like bone on bone. And then, you know, it's just swelling, which I mean, it's, I, you know, what is he supposed to do? I mean, if, if his knee just keeps blowing up, yeah. I mean, you, you, and then if he's not effective, he goes out there and he's not effective, you know, it's like a vicious cycle. So do you want to want him to wait and try to get healthy? Well, you know, and so it just, I, I just hope for him health and then we'll see, maybe he's not a player, but I don't think that we've seen a healthy Javon Kinlaw enough to know whether or not he can really play or not because he's just been dealing with injuries throughout. So I, I wish him health. And then I hope he has a, you know, I hope he balls out. You know, I want them all to get paid though. So Heck yeah, <laughs> uh, Lombardi, I think, I think you and Lombardi probably saw a little bit more eye to eye on this practice. I just saw his tweet. He, he put up his, his recap of the day. He, he said, Darnold and uh, Lance both played well. So I think you guys are more eye eye to eye on this one. All right. So uh, like I said, Roderick and I will be back uh, after the first game. We'll, we'll have our little recap of, of the first game of the preseason. And if there's anything else pressing based off of what Rod has watched in practice, we will do uh, another short mini uh, midweek episode. So uh, one more week and then we've got, football till january that's crazy that's awesome fantasy football starting too oh my god (laughs) oh it's it's my favorite time of the year i love it (laughs) all right uh so thanks everyone for checking in thanks shelvin and uh, robert for dropping some comments in uh for rod i'm double g we'll see you when we see you peace out duncan iced radio take one duncan iced coffee is oh sorry uh one more time Duncan Iced it. Oh, Kelly, we're trying to record a timely summer-focused radio spot for Duncan Iced. Can you stop with the shaking? But, like, this is the sound a Duncan Ice makes. Maybe you should keep it in? Well, yeah. That's actually a pretty good idea. <laughs> Try all the Duncan Refreshers, iced coffees, cold brews, and lattes. Duncan Iced. America runs on Duncan. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. 
Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.